Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelia. And before we get into it, I just want to let everybody know that we're going to take next week off. Anyway, I'm joined this week by Patrick Agongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about the new fragrance from Calvin Klein and Palace. But first, the new Tony Hawk documentary. It's kind of surprising that it took until 2022 to get a documentary about the world's most famous skateboarder, but um, here it is. We all watched Until the Wheels Fall Off last night. Patrick, what did you think? The first thing that comes to mind right now, after having had about a day to, to process it, is that it feels weird that people compare Tony Hawk to Michael Jordan when I believe this documentary reveals him to be more of a, a Kobe Bryant. This is probably the first time that any of us have really gotten to hear Tony Hawk talking about his relationships, his challenges with relationships, uh, financial challenges, the relationship with his father, with his parents, you know, with his family, and showing a kind of vulnerability that Kobe Bryant really showed, um, especially after uh, he was accused of rape and, um, you know, his hyper, hyper, hyper competitive streak that ultimately did a lot of damage to his body. And while I would have really loved to have seen more coverage of 1990s Hawk, more specifically about the founding of Birdhouse, I would have loved to have heard from writers of Birdhouse. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more about the end. I mean, you know, there's a whole thing about Powell videos, but nothing about the end. That video was an absolute monster, but I think it painted him in a pretty awesome light. And I really, really liked, and I'd like to dig into this a little bit later, like to dig into the kind of the mental health aspect of this conversation uh, or the conversations that were happening throughout the documentary because you know for guys of his generation for for men of that age you know it's kind of stunning just to have them to hear them having those types of conversation jason what did you think well listen um y'all know me y'all know i'm a diehard world industries kid uh, going hand in hand, hand with that is uh, hating powell i probably will always hate powell powell peralta even way back then in the eighties, like I, I thought Tony Hawk was kind of corny. Like I liked the Gonsmore and Lester Kasai. That being said, yeah, this is a pretty interesting documentary. Like, like you know, at the beginning or whatever, toward the middle, when, when Rodney says that that Nietzsche quote, I'm probably not saying that that name right, but whatever, you knew it was gonna be some gnarly shit. And when Rodney comes out with some shit like that, along those lines, I thought. Like Rodney's and Lance's like interview footage was probably even gnarlier than Tony's, you know. Go, go on. What about it? Like, uh, I mean, like Rodney, we've gotten to see quite a bit of his vulnerability in previous interviews. Yeah. Um, especially like that Bones Brigade documentary from some years back. Uh, Lance, not so much. Like this was actually kind of shocking. Um, yeah. I was like, wow. It's like, okay, Lance, like Lance really opened up, like especially at the end. And by the way, for listeners, we're going to be going hard in the paint with the spoilers. So yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. There's going to be a lot of them. So like, hopefully you've watched the documentary by this time. But what is it about like Rodney and, and Lance that you found to be so intriguing that in some ways they almost stole the show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, for example, at the end, Lance, you know, after uh, they showed Tony, you know, taking a gnarly header, doing a 540. And subsequent to that, you know, Stacey Peralta was like, oh, oh, like, oh, we got to have the intervention, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is too dangerous. Lance was like, no, I don't think you can tell him that. Like, he, you know, he was like, yeah, we're probably going to die skating. And then, you know, just really like matter of fact, you know. And then he, you know, was talking about he has whiplash. Not 100% sure what whiplash exactly is. I think it's on like niche, like a neck, shoulder type of deal. And he mentioned that, yeah, like they probably have CTE. And yeah, that's, I guess, the whole thesis of the video. Like Rodney says, like, you know, we're going to fucking skate until the wheels fall off, so to speak. And I mean, oh, go on, please. Oh, and now it's like the thesis is like, well, how long can you do? Like, should you like quit and just like mellow out? Or should you just, you know, go, oh. if you're a skater, like how long can you skate, especially the type of shit he skates? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had a whole podcast where we talked about injuries, but, you know, Tony Hawk is a, Tony Hawk is definitely receiving AARP letters right now. And probably could finesse his way into like a 3 p.m. blue plate special <laughs> dinner, right? Like, like these guys are either senior citizens or senior citizen adjacent. And the type of skating that they're doing, like what people their age are doing something that crazy. And it's like, and for Lance Mountain, like Lance Mountain is like, you know, he's a regular dude now. He's like a, 
you know, regular civilian, still skating, still doing his thing. Templeton, like, what's your two cents on it? Like, this is, this presented skateboarding in a radically different light. And I also want to kind of also dive into your thoughts on Lance's comment about CTE. Yeah, I, I thought the ending was probably the most interesting. I mean, sure, Tony Hawk has an interesting life, but I think most of us who, you know, most of us on this podcast and probably most of us who listen kind of already know the basics of the Tony Hawk story, you know, like if you're of my age, you know, in your 40s, you probably were alive for a lot of that history. So it's not, uh, the documentary didn't reveal a whole lot there, but it was interesting to hear hear the thoughts on injuries and like think about Vert and like how fucking gnarly it is, you know, like it's pretty easy to run out of some stairs or something like that. And I, I always kind of dismiss vert skating as like, ah, oh, you can just like knee slide out of whatever. You know, it's not that big a deal. But, you know, seeing what he goes through, it's pretty gnarly. But the documentary as a whole, I thought was pretty standard, like taking a chronological look at Tony Hawk's life and talking to people who were there. It felt like Tony Hawk probably had final cut. Like it didn't really reveal anything, any like true darkness. You know, and I, I think also Tony Hawk is a very savvy person and wouldn't wouldn't speak candidly about anything he didn't want to be in the documentary. So I, I felt like there was like, yeah, just a little bit of holding back, like pulling punches. I don't know. I, I feel the opposite. I feel like his discussion of infidelity and his marriages and his relationship with his kids, he definitely pulled back the curtain way more than... I've ever seen him do in any written or video interview. And that was actually very, very surprising because, you know, he talks about deciding to check into a facility. And, you know, I watched, I watched this joint with my wife and she said, oh, it's, you know, probably, you know, it's a probably combination of mental health slash rehab. You know, it's like, it like when you have money, you can afford to go to some place where, you know, you get like the full, it's almost like a spa, you know, you, you really get to, and we have no idea what he went in for treatment of. And, and maybe it was like for some sort of, you know, maybe it was just like to get away. Some people like it's a retreat, but he talks about, you know, writing a list about all of the things that he had done wrong and all the things that he wasn't proud of and having to face that and him talking very frankly about his relationship with Riley, you know, because we always, you know, we think about Riley as like, oh, you know, that's this little, that's little bird man right there. And, you know, even just like his discussion of the fears of, being perceived as the beneficiary of nepotism from his father. That to me was pretty revealing. Uh, and again, you know, for men his age, from, especially for men from Southern California for his age, they could very often be a bit of a wall up. I mean, even like with Dwayne Peters in there, you know, you kind of got to, for him, he, he, he kind of removed like the hardcore punk rock, fuck you, aggro mask when he talked about his, his kid dying and talking about how his kid really liked Tony Hawk. And, you know, it, it actually, I think it's actually very much in line with a lot of the conversations that have been happening in skate culture and also in the skateboard industry around mental health. Jason, like Templeton, did you feel like, did you feel like his discussion of those relationships, you know, of, you know, just being on the road and quote, being like Led Zeppelin? Like, yeah, well, here, a couple things. Number one, that whole list thing, that's one of the 12 steps. So based on that it's safe to assume that he was addicted to something whether it was like a substance or sex addiction I, I did a real quick or some real quick rudimentary internet research for this podcast about you know rehab for sex addiction and apparently it is a thing so based on you know what he was alluding to at that point in the film maybe so you know also but with the mental health thing i mean well first of all Back then, in like 1988 or 89, when he was a young man, like mental health was not a thing. Like nobody went to therapy. You know what I mean? If you went to a therapy or a psychiatrist, you were like a weirdo. You know what I mean? It did not exist as a thing the way it exists now back then. And like with the footage of his dad, you can tell he was like a, you know, ex-military, like show no emotion, one of those types of guys. So... It was interesting how you kind of saw his like, uh, you know, his upbringing, like kind of shape his uh, his psyche a little bit. And it's cool that, you know, mental health is a thing that people acknowledge now. Yeah. But um, especially in skateboarding, like men yeah. talking about mental health and, and addiction uh, is much 
more normalized than it was even than when we were teenagers. Shit, even compared to 10 years ago, it's fascinating the kinds of conversations that just, you know, teenagers at a spot or a park are having. They're way more self-aware. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a lot, of, a lot more awareness uh, these days. Maybe this documentary will get people more comfortable with it or even more comfortable with it. Oh, by the way, I want to continue this line of conversation, but I love how in there they, they just casually dropped that it could have been Tony Hawk and Christian Hosoi on the same team. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That would have been, is there, I mean, what would have been, what would be the, for our era, what would be the 90s equivalent and what would be the modern equivalent? Like two heavy hitters contest rivals on the same team, on the same squad. That would be like, I guess it'll be like Jamie Thomas and Daywan on the same team. Just like complete opposite like energies. But still badass. Yeah. I was thinking like Nija and Yuto, who are on the same team with Nike. But it's like those those guys are like, like that was the Olympic narrative almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally was. And I I think Nija would probably be the Christian Hasoy character in that situation, which is pretty funny to think about. So, you know, thinking about this, this documentary, you know, it talks about the Bones Brigade. And, you know, rightfully so, Powell was the biggest thing on the planet for a few years in there. And it's worth remembering, like they had plenty of competition. I mean, vision was monster, you know, GNS was huge. SMA was huge. Like, but you know, the thing about the, the bones brigade, that's really interesting is that, you know, there have been other crews in skateboarding. Like, for example, I think that there was like a short documentary about the LA boy. Actually, yeah. no, it was actually, no, excuse me. It was a full length they yeah, came was, out yeah. some years ago. That was a good one. Yeah. That was very, very, very good. And to me, that feels more, that's more like, that's more our era, you know, like, I remember seeing an episode of Skate TV with the LA boys and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. And I had no context. I just remembered, you know, these two kids coming up, knocking the door, I'm like, come on, guy, let's go skate. I didn't realize as a little kid that not even five years later, I would absolutely be obsessing over Guy Mariano, the late, great. Gabriel Rodriguez, Rudy Johnson, Paulo Diaz, formerly known as Pablo Diaz. You know, you know the the LA boys were the shit. They were so cool, but they, you know, they were not doing stadiums. They were not doing. They were not going to Italy. They were not going to Japan or Australia or South America, doing big tours like that. That that's actually then another question for y'all would be: Can you imagine that type of touring? And that type of mayhem for skating now, who, who could attract that type of attention? I don't know that anybody could. I mean, especially now, everything is just so splintered. I, I kind of feel like Tony Hawk is just in a league of his own as like a singular person in skating and like a singular person in a singular time, you know, like nobody else could. I mean, Christian Hasoy maybe like, but yeah, no, I think like, it was just like, like right guy at the right time. You mean like these days who could like, have that kind of juice on a tour these days that's correct i'm talking Probably about ju- just like tony hawk i guess yeah still I mean, tony like, yeah still, still him <laughs> so basically we need a we need a tony hawk if you're listening we need another boom boom huck jam which by the way corniest name ever but the way that they the footage that they showed i was just like damn i i, I had forgotten it was it was on some wild shit. also the footage of the people in the crowds at these contests you swear you were watching like a, you know, you're watching like a, a soccer final or, you know, an NBA player. It's like people were like throwing their shirts around, losing their shit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's shit you don't see every day, you know? Like it's a lot easier to relate to somebody, even like the most talented basketball player. Like, you know, probably everybody has shot a basketball into a goal and has a frame of reference for that. But most people don't know what it's like to fly 50 feet in the air on a motorcycle or like you know catch 10 feet of air on a vert ramp like that's just beyond what most people can even relate to so it's it's got to be incredible and if you've ever seen vert skating in person like it's crazy like just the energy of the ramp and stuff it's it's wild so actually one to ask both of you all a question what was the thing that if you were ever playing sports as a kid that turned you off of that and put you onto skating for me, it was, I went to this place called Grand Slam in, I think it was Congress or West Nyack, New York. And it was my friend Brian Eisenhower's birthday. And we were at the batting cages. And it, I, um, 
got hit in the hand with the the ball coming at a slow speed. And I was like, baseball sucks. This is terrible. And wouldn't get into baseball again until my 20s. Shout out to my boy Nick Massey, who got me into Yankees baseball, uh, the best ever. But there was a vert ramp at this place. It was one of those big indoor office parks facilities that they had a vert ramp in there. And I just watched these guys. This is probably 1990. And I was transfixed. I was completely hooked. I was like, that's the cool. It's still like, you're right. Vert skating is, vert skating is, I never thought it was corny. It's just, it was just unavailable in the 1990s. I don't know. That was like the only vert ramp I saw in person until they built the one on the, the park on the West side highway. What about you two? Did either of you have like a formative experience like that? Like the first time you saw skating, but specifically vert skating maybe? Yeah. Well, a couple of things, pretty much in seventh grade, I kind of found out that I was like too short to be good at basketball. And I was too small to be good at football. Like the kids that I played neighborhood football with in my neighborhood were like all mean and shit. So I was like, fuck this shit pretty much. But along those lines, like just comparing skaters to other sports, other sports aren't like this. You know what I mean? Like Barry Sanders isn't still out there running routes or whatever in like 45 or 50. They usually just like retire, like get the fuck out. Like especially with CTE and shit, a lot of football players like that guy, Calvin Johnson, aka Megatron, like he retired when he was like 30. He was still at like peak performance. He was just like, I'm out. This shit is too crazy. So there's something about skating that makes it different from other sports in that the people who are really good at it, I, I guess as evidenced by this documentary, want to do it until they literally die. Shit. Rodney has what? <laughs> one or two hip replacements. That's real old man shit. And he's still out there. That's pretty yeah. wild. I mean, he's a freestyle skater. Like, what kind of slams are you taking, Rodney? Come on. You saw his intro in Secondhand Smoke. And then, like, uh, he was skating gaps and rails in there. Come on, dog. <laughs> Still, I'm just, I'm just giving him a hard time. You're great, <laughs> what, Rodney. There's that gnarly story about how, like, Rodney put his hip, like, in the wheel well of his car or something and used it to, like, either, like, knock the bone out of joint or like fuse his, like, femur into his hip bone or something. I don't know. Something, like, super gnarly like that. I don't know. Yeah, he was yeah. doing. He was like self-medicating or like self-chiropracting or something with like the wheel well of his car. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like super gnarly. But yeah, tell me what you were saying. Oh, uh, going back to the sports thing, like I remember playing soccer. I don't remember how old I was, but I, I was like the line right before the goalie. So you know, you're supposed to just hang back, I guess. And I was talking to the other kid who was in that same position, and he was like man, I just want to like get in the action, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I just don't care. I just did not care about chasing after that ball to try to put it in a goal. You know, like it was, I was just like, this is just not for me. So also after that, the there's no more sports, just skating. Yeah. Also the hazing. I didn't hear too many crazy stories in high school, but I think for, if you went to a high school that had a particularly good sports program, and especially if you were good enough to get uh, pulled into division one to division three, college level sports i would always hear these stories i'm just like why would i want to involve myself with that like hell no i'm not doing that like the things that you know like the, the, some of the, like the horror stories i've heard from the locker rooms fuck that i'm, I'm kicking your ass <laughs> <laughs> well like tony didn't get hazed but he didn't get vibe he got vibe pretty harsh yeah he did get he did get vibe pretty hard but you know like they weren't doing like some of these uh awful things i wouldn't even say uh on recording yeah 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 we know the, uh, the, the story yeah but i um, did have to eat chewing gum that had been in uh steve caballero's in between his toes from the hot tub so there yeah, was but, some uh, mild uh, dumping. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one time that's one time though <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Jason, back to your point about CTE, like that, I think was also the other kind of like a uh, holy shit moment watching that. And Lance being so casual about it, being like uh, much more in a, like a sort of like, I don't tell what people what to do. You know, this is about you do your own thing. That shit is scary. And like the, the horror stories that have come out of the NFL and there's governing body and, you know, there's at least some kind of concussion protocol and such like, there's no governing body in skateboarding that's minding after uh, CTE. Um, yeah. you, you might have a team manager or a company owner who's checking up on you, be like, hey, you good? But nothing like you have in other sports. And honestly, that was probably the most worrying thing. Yeah, I, th I think it's just a little different, you know? Like, in skateboarding, you can stop when you feel like it. 
you know, there's not the big game or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's pressure of like, oh, I got the filmer here, the photographer here, whatever. But I think that the pressure is just different. And I was kind of surprised to think like, oh, yeah, like CTE could be a problem in skateboarding. Well, I mean, yeah, like they show, I mean, at the very beginning, they showed Chris Miller like taking a header at uh, Upland. That's like a infamous fall. Right. I mean, I guess that way. slam is yeah. what allowed Tony to win that contest. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Miller, my favorite verse skater of all time, by the way. But um, yeah, another thing about the ending or whatever that I think like old, someone is old these days is different than what old used to be. Like it used to be like, all right, you're 50. You got to get like uh, like a beige members only jacket and like some Velcro shoes and Buick like Skylark. A, yeah, Buick Skylark and like a like a salmon colored polo and just like sit on a park bench, you know. But I think now, like I don't know, I'm not a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers at all. But they're like 60 and they were still on on Howard Stern like yesterday, and they look the same, dude. They're still doing the same shit, you know. So I think like these days. Like people are just gonna be whatever age they are and just do whatever they're doing. You know, there's not like a certain point where you have to be like, all right, I'm old now. I gotta quit doing whatever the fuck I like to do and just, you know, like watch the Price is Right or whatever. <laughs> not, Dude, I mean, the Price is Right is awesome, but you know what I mean. I feel you. I feel you. Like you're just reminding of like like Metamucil commercials. <laughs> like shouldn't shouldn't Tony Hawk be like capitalizing on that? Like, hey, I'm Tony Hawk, and when I'm not on the ramp, sometimes I'm you know. And just like have him with a thing of like, uh, like take this fibrous drink. Like that's a whole lane of checks that no skateboarder has really gotten yet. Like he's about to get that old head money. I'm sure he's been approached and maybe he's just not ready yet. I wouldn't you know like, that would, I would, that would like change his uh, demographic or whatever. Or his appeal. I would, I, would, I would like to see the list of uh, like sponsorship or, you know, monetary collaborations that he's turned down. Oh, that dude, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I would love to hear some of the most insane proposals he's gotten for, like, yeah, brand collaborations or sponsorships. I mean, the Got Milk and the Bagel Bites were pretty badass. Those were checks. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, from his accounts, those are things that he backs, you know, so more power to him. Yeah, like, milk is, like, that's the, you know, that's the dairy lobby. That's... Yep. You know, that's, you know, these are guys who hang out in Congress cutting big checks, right? That's bigger than any skateboard sponsor. That's bigger than any Nike or Adidas, you know? But I'm trying to think, like, what else is he, like, well, then there's obviously Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I feel like they dashed through that. They didn't even talk about yeah culture. Yeah, I mean, that's like a whole documentary in and of itself, you know, like, uh, one of our skate Twitter homies is even writing a book about it, so... yeah, that's like a whole thing on its own. Yeah, there there was a lot of uh, story left untold. I'm sure there was there were reasons for that. You know, like could have been a five hour documentary if you tried to cover everything. Yeah, but, when this um, when this came out, I was like, are they doing like a like a ten parter like uh, like the bull like the last dance or whatever, or just like a? And I was like, oh, it's just like a like a two hour like one shot deal. Back uh, to the nine hundred. I'm I'm not even talk about the nine hundred yet. It's cool that they gave Danny Way some some credit for coming super close in the credits to uh, like a reason for living. I think mm-hmm. that was gnarly, but they didn't talk about Taz Pappas and that whole like violent thing. Not one <laughs> word. <laughs> not one word. And like, that's kind of interesting, like because I liked the Taz Pappas documentary, and you oh, know, yeah. that rivalry now would have been incredible on social media. Um, also because they were skating at such an incredibly high level. And what was interesting was watching all the footage, just like watching attempt after attempt of the 900. And it's kind of weird. Like, we, there's some distance between that X Games when he landed it and, you know, us here in the year 2022, where there's so many unthinkable things. And I don't know, like, it was like, if we're talking about things that were jaw dropping that everybody was talking about in skating, if you were skating, you're talking about vert skating was a 900. If it was street skating, probably the leap of faith. And, and Jamie Thomas did not land the leap of faith, but we're talking about things that were holy shit moments. I mean, did y'all feel like it was uh, an earth shattering moment when Tony Hawk landed the 900 at the X games? It was yeah, definitely a big yeah, deal. Kinda. I mean, it was like on like normie TV and normie news. So it was it was a big deal for sure, but I I don't think it was like I don't think it changed anything for me like as like a day to day skater you know skating in my local schoolyard. 
Yeah, same here. I mean, it it was cool, I guess, because like people have been trying it for so long. But one thing that it, it kind of started was that whole like obsession with like spinning. Like the more spins you do, like the better you are. And so now you got those kids, these kids doing like 1080s or whatever the fuck on like uh, the mega ramp. But and I think people are like over that shit now. Like like we kind of don't care. Nope. You know what I mean? Who's who's done like a what's 1080 plus one eight? If you have, yeah, like, the, if the math is in, like, the math is beyond me. I suck at math. So if the math gets into, like, low low four figures, I'm like, what? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think it was had a lot of juice at the time. It was crazy. But now I think people are over that whole, like, spinning deal. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, do you want an example of that? Look at Olympic snowboarding. Yawn-tastic. Like, who right, cares? It just spins, right? Yeah. Yeah, wait, wait. I'm getting out my scientific calculator. Hold up. <laughs> a 900 if you do like a 900 with a whole nother three like three three spins in the middle 900 plus 360 equals 12 has someone done a 1260 wouldn't it be 1280 yeah maybe i don't know i don't know i, I suck at math i said I, even, with my <laughs> even though yeah, but that's the calculator math. sucks at math <laughs> exactly the calculator is just like uh, I just want to see like a, a backside tail and then maybe like a like a switch crooks, right? I, like for me, I, I think anything more than a five forty is too much, and it kind of like calls back to last week's episode on long long grinds and slide. It's like after five forty, you get diminishing returns. Like, oh yeah, like seven twenty. That's that's pretty impressive. Doesn't look that cool though. Uh, yeah, nine hundred. Like yeah, wow, that's twenty. That's that's a good one. That looks pretty gnar. Could you come I, in? Could you come back in fakey? Mm-hmm. yeah true i feel you on that and, and you know i'm just thinking back to you know the unfortunate thing about the oscars was that you know will smith you know slapping the soul out of chris rock not only robbed quest love of his moment of his documentary summer of soul you know winning an award it also took the air out of the fact that motherfucking tony hawk was repping skateboarding at the oscars and showing the wesley snipes in on that whole twitter joke and <laughs> which then leads to the question like how do you both feel about Tony Hawk? Like Tony Hawk to a lot of people like represents skateboarding and somebody might be like, Hey, yeah. Tony Hawk, do a kickflip. And I feel really okay about that. How about you? Yeah. I mean like, well, just based on his Twitter, he, he seems to have a good, you know, sense of humor about it. So, I mean, it, it's cool. I don't mind, you know, people that are in, in the culture know about it. And then like for like normies, it's like, Oh, Tony Hawk. Yes. All right. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I got kicked out of a spot recently, and the cop was just like, you know, I kicked out of here last week, Eric Cost. <laughs> but, like, that's like, probably, oh, like, a cool. super L.A. thing. Like, he actually knows the names of pros. Yeah. Oh, cool, bro. Yeah. Were we supposed to bro down now or something? Yeah, I was like, hey, uh, before I let you guys go, how about uh, one of those, uh, the Fandangles? The Fandangles, can you, oh, can you, you do know. that? It's like, yeah, I kicked Costin out of here last week. It's like, so. I mean, like, opportunity hater. I'd be like, Templeton, how do you feel about, like, he's an ambassador. He's a cultural ambassador for skateboarding. How do you feel about it? I'm fine with it. I mean, I think he's he's looking out for skateboarding as a whole. I mean, certainly looking out for himself, too. But I think that he's done a lot of good stuff for skateboarding, and I think that he's a fine ambassador for skateboarding. You know, like, there's certainly worse people that could be skateboarding's ambassador. And I think we've all somehow just overlooked anything negative about him or he's done a, a very good job of hiding those uh those negative things so I, I think he's a fine ambassador for skateboarding is there anything like uh i'm looking at the show notes right now is there anything in there like that was glossed over in the documentary i know that we've been going on about tony hawk for a hot minute and there's other things to chat about but is there any like we talked about like maybe wanted to hear more about the like the rise of birdhouse i mean anything else missing in there yeah, Birdhouse. They didn't talk about like the Hasoi rivalry as much as I thought they would. Like they did a little bit. Like yeah, they really you know, breezed through that. Yeah, they're like, oh, everyone, you know, everyone, you know, want a Christian, blah blah blah. They also didn't mention when uh, that period of time when Gator lived at his house, which is wild. And his like house that he built with his dad in uh, Fallbrook. Yeah, that's the ramp. And um, what's interesting is that he talks about having two mortgages and. You know, to for those who weren't aware of the times, interest rates back then were still extremely high. And right after the first Gulf War in the early 1990s, the U.S. got hit with a pretty serious recession. 
that uh, had a massive effect on the direction of skateboarding. You know, they talk about the destruction of legendary parks like Upland in there, but what about all the, the big companies that took a hit wherein Rocco started doing his thing? Uh, a more comprehensive documentary, I think, would have included a lot of the cultural stuff that was happening in skating that led to that. And yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was hard. Early 90s, the way people talk about it, uh, you know, the way that people in the skate industry talk about it was really, really, really tough. Like if you weren't Rocco and them, like you were struggling. Oh, yeah, that that's another thing that they kind of skipped over the whole like rivalry with Rocco and like the different ads going back and forth and shit. Like he was in those ads, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Shit. You, the ultimate get here would have been having Rocco's take. <laughs> or would it have been hot? <laughs> too hot for TV. Yeah, I, I think it probably was just a matter of time, you know? Like, you got to tell Tony Hawk's entire life story in two hours. There's going to be a lot of story left on the cutting room floor and no room for Rocco in that, I think. True. What about, uh, you think this is Oscar-worthy material? No. No? I smell Oscar. Hey. <laughs> Hey, well, what was, what was he there for this year? Did he was he in a movie this year to present? He was a presenter. Oh, he was a presenter. He had a list. He had a cool cane. Mm-hmm. Yo, that that was hard body. And plus, like you said, that him and his wife got hooked up with some Gucci. It's like, damn, Tony Hawk with the glow up. <laughs> Speaking of fashion, you know what probably smells better than Tony Hawk's old knee pads? The new fragrance from Calvin Klein and Palace. This week, the two brands came together on a number of pieces and an update to the iconic CK1 scent. Jason, are you aware of cologne? Yeah, from time to time. I mean, I, I dabble in, in the fragrances. I, I think right now, like, and, until I finish it, I'm wearing, like, this Abercrombie thing, like, Fire or something. But, like, yeah, Lillabo is supposed to be good. Like, Molecule, I've heard, is good as well. So, yeah, I, I dabble in it a little bit. Patrick, what about you? You ever skate in cologne? All no, I'm, nah, I'm not never skating cologne. Patrick, you skating cologne? All the time. Dog, I've been rocking cologne since what? Um, eighth grade. Uh, back then it was Dracar Noir because that was like the ultimate uh, ultimate cool guy scent. Uh, Polo Blue, Polo in the Green Bottle. I have a homegirl who worked for uh, a scent company in New York for years, my, my homegirl Anna, and she used to hook me up with Givenchy. Um, right now... I'm doing using this kind of like sandalwood joint as well as a Chanel from men's. Like I, I do not play when it comes to cologne. I love cologne. I love that smell. I like smelling good. And I definitely, I know Mike, who is off this week, thinks it's weird as hell when people <laughs> wear cologne to the skates, you know, to go skating. I rock that shit. Like to me, it's just like, it's like going to the club. I don't go to the club, you know, not like I used to. So like to me, going out skating, like that's where you get fresh. That's you got to smell good. You got to look good. Dog. <laughs> I love cologne. Cologne is the shit, but uh, never gotten to CK1. Love the ads, though. Had that shit on my wall because, you know, when you're a teenager in the 1990s, you want to be cool. Yeah, nothing was cooler than those ads. And I, I feel like the Palace ads are a throwback to those original CK1 ads. And, uh, like, what did you guys think of those the Palace ads? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, like the whole, like, black and white footage thing, had a real nostalgic vibe from the whole like CK from all those old CK ads, both print and on TV, like Kate Moss and all that shit. But also the whole with the there's another skate connection because all the DC dudes used to wear like Calvin Klein jeans, like sweatshirts, all that shit. They used to run that shit pretty heavy. So especially Peg Martinez, uh, recipes. Yeah, shout out, yo! Oh my goodness, yeah, Calvin Klein jeans were tight back in the day. Like uh, it was like between Calvin Klein and Hilfiger. And there's something kind of sad about Calvin Klein doesn't really register with people other than just this, like I have a ton of Calvin Klein underwear and undershirts, but you know, I'm not rocking their shit and definitely wouldn't rock a, a Calvin Klein suit. Like to me, it always like now it feels sub polo, which is sad, but then again, who can ever compete against polo? But um, what's also cool here is like, there's a nice connection to a lot of skaters who were or are models like uh, Peter Beachy, you know, shout out to all my Albanians out there. Yo, Peter Vici was was in those CK1 ads back in the day. And now you've got Carl Aikens, Mr. Funky Fresh. Like, there's been skaters. Like, it, it's also, it's like uh, Eunice, you know, shout out to homegirl Eunice, who's also a model as well. Um, there's something very interesting about models and skaters. Like, what do y'all think is like the nexus between Why is it like, it's not, it's like a strange thing, like fashion and skating. We talked about it before, but 
models and skating? Is it because, you know, you have this window, it's a mostly youthful thing and there's not too many older folks in it? Yeah, I mean, it's like they both use their bodies to make money, you know, skating or modeling. I also think that skating is um, like the pinnacle of cool and modeling and fashion is the idea of chasing cool. So I think that fashion is always looking towards skateboarding for inspiration. So follow-up question. What is it about, uh, I have been to some parties where models have been in the mix and it seems like models and skaters like really seem to get along. Like, what do you think is at the root of that? Is it like a shared sort of like, uh, hey, you know, we're in the same bag together. Maybe they're both independent contractors or some shit like uh, just solidarity. Yeah, solidarity. Well, yeah, before can talk continue, about quarterly taxes and yeah, uh, business managers and shit. Before you continue, I just want to say I I basically predicted this whole thing with the the thing I wrote for Quarter Snacks, like the fashion industry takeover back in like I think it was like sixteen or seventeen, which was a joke. But like you know, like anything that's a joke, it starts off a joke and ends up serious. But Palace is wilding right now with the collabs. But there's something about this, like getting William Bowen there and having him chill with Sean Powers. By the way, that that Sean Powers, I don't know if you want to call it a comeback part. Like he's been trickling out stuff since he, um, you know, he went to rehab. Like he was living in Chinatown. Like there was like a little update on his life. Like kind of like got his, you know, got his life together after things were threatening to go off the rails. Like there was something about their chemistry that I like. I fucked with that. Like I thought that was cool. Yeah, that little taxi scene was pretty good. I'll tell you, when I was watching Platoon back in whatever, fifth grade or whatever, never would have thought that Willem Dafoe would be like an escape video 35 years later or whatever. It's a trip. It's a trip, man. What can you say? It is. It is. And, and you know, uh, Madonna's daughter Lola is in there. Uh, Lourdes uh, it was her daughter with Carlos Leon, the dancer, showing off my page six knowledge from 20-something years ago. Uh, and it, but the thing is, it didn't feel forced. Like I wonder, are there other brands who could even come, could do something like this historically or presently? Like a skate brand? I don't think so. I, I don't think that even Supreme. Mm, maybe. I mean, I feel like Supreme is less of a skate brand. They're they're like they're like a brand that's collabing themselves. You know, like between skate and fashion. So I, I feel like they're like kind of in a. A separate category but as far as like actual skate companies i mean maybe you could say 917 or um bianca chandon could do something like this but it, it's just all about that creative mind which is lev and then like the people that he's surrounding himself by and i, I just don't think that most skate company people are that creative yeah i yeah he has a really good sense of humor about this shit like he they've been leveling up their collabs over the past like 10 years or whatever and I don't know how much more like high pro- high profile they can go. Maybe like like Zendaya or something. I don't know. Like uh, someone yeah. who, it's like Zendaya, Beyonce, someone who's just so ridiculously famous. It would be you know like a joke, but but like yeah, Rihanna, but, yeah, Rihanna, Rihanna's rocking Palace back. In Rihanna the day. has one. Yeah, Rihanna's been wearing Palace and shit. Like she's that was that was that point in time where like everyone was wearing Thrasher hoodies and shit, and she was like, yeah, Palace. Or didn't didn't Jay Z didn't wasn't there a photo of Jay-Z wearing a pile of shirt or something? I think so. I, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, also, like, the Polo collab was out of control. That shit was crazy. Yeah, with the, I was, man, the, I still want one of them sweaters with the Polo bear. Dude, yeah. The heel flip bear. Heel flip, heel flip, kick flip, whatever. I mean, at what point does this, you know, Palace has a, a pretty good sense of humor about this stuff. At what point do they jump the shark? Is there a fashion brand that is so toxic or, you know, just so whack that they could... You know, if they step in that direction, they could screw it up. Or does Palace have the golden touch? Could they revitalize something? Like, what's a brand that you would like to see Palace do a collab with? Hmm. Oh, shit. Revitalize. What's a brand type? Like Nautica or something? Ooh, that'd be good. Like a like a Triferg sailboat or something? Yeah. Yeah, that would, <laughs> that would be sick. Who else is Nautica? Like, who's been languishing in TJ Maxx for, like, the last decade and a half? Who needs to be back in like uh back in the the the, the fashion magazine? Oh, let, let me think. Let me think back to the last time I was in Burlington Coat Factory. Maybe Echo. Echo. <laughs> that would be a tough sell, I think, for Palace. Yeah, Echo, because they went, they like super sold out and went like they were in, then they were in like J.C. Penny and shit. Also, I feel like Echo 
once occupied a space close to Palace. You know, like Echo was a streetwear brand. It wasn't like a fashion brand. And I think that the collabs are the most powerful when it's like players from two opposite sides come together, you know? And I think that Palace and Echo are just too close already. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't be bringing in a lot of new people that way. I mean, you know, through, you know, the late Virgil Abloh and, you know, just a couple of folks in the Palace um, in, in the Palace crew just being down with Louis Vuitton, you know, that doesn't seem out there. I mean, but then again, Louis Vuitton did a joint with, um, with Supreme. Yeah, I'd love yeah, to see like some value. outdoor brands, you know, like, like Merrill or Danner or Keen or something. Like Keen would be fucking wild because uh, <laughs> those shoes are pretty ugly, but um, that would be a, a sick like way out of left field collab. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, like Lucien Clark, I mean, you know, his just like his friendship with Virgil and him being in the mix, at, you know, with Louis Vuitton and being a model. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe this is like they're carving out this lane, like where they will just continue to do this with big fashion houses and occasionally jump out of left field with something. But I think like what's a what? OK, you, you mentioned Merrill. What about like a Palace Patagonia joint? Yeah, that, that would be good. That's kind of no brainer. I think I think they should do more car collabs. Like the AMG one was pretty dope. I'd be psyched if they did a collab with uh, the Ford Motor Company, <laughs> with like a little palace, like a palace, uh, palace Mustang, palace Yo. Shelby. <laughs> oh yeah, palace Shelby. But yeah. like, okay, the palace, the palace Mustang would have like you know how like cop cars in Europe have like the orange lights mm-hmm. in yeah. the back that go like they go like you know they like alternate or whatever. It would have orange lights. Orange a palace taillight. cop car? I don't know. That might be no, that no. Be it'd be it'd be like a, like a like a palace Mustang, but the taillights would be orange. That like could be badass. I was I, I like, almost got I almost got orange taillights for my Mustang, but like I wasn't sure if they were street legal, so I called like everywhere. I called like you know the police like office of transportation or whatever, and they were like, nope, not legal. That got to be red or I think just red. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. But what fuck else? it, like you know, it's palace. See that you're a responsible citizen for calling around and seeing, other than you know racking up a bunch of tickets. <laughs> but what about a uh, oh yo Palace Ford Explorer excursion? Uh, yeah, the excursion like a pal oh like a Palace Mazda MPV. Yo yo bring back bring back the MPV. Yo the MP yo you could have an entire podcast just about the mentions of MPVs in hip hop songs in the '90s. But yo. Going back to Ford, remember they had the Ford Explorer Eddie Bauer edition. Yeah, Eddie Bauer. So there's precedent. There's precedent. Yo, imagine like a Ford, a Ford excursion with the Palace Triferg, you know, in leather, like leather seats with the Triferg all over that joint. Yeah, that'd be fire. The new, the new, not to turn this into a like a Ford infomercial or whatever, but the new Bronco is kind of tough too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give him respect for trying to bring it back. I don't know how much uh, how it's going to survive with these gas prices. Yeah. Trying to think, what are the what are the car like, uh, or would it be something chill like like a I don't know like a you know they can think about like a yo maybe get Honda because excuse me because Acura which is part of Honda is bringing back the Integra. The Integra, Hell yeah, was, dude, new Integra. The Integra was the step up from the Honda Civic. Yeah, so, Palace yo, Integra would be like that's that's like the sweet spot. Ooh, yo, Palace Integra GSR in white with the red trim. Or like any any skate brand, pretty much, because like Integra was like the skate car. Right. If it wasn't a Civic, like it was Integra was like a little step up. Yeah. From a from a bubble back or whatever. Yeah, the the Civic was always like uh, there's always that story about Mike Vallely driving out driving cross country from Jersey to California. 48 hours nonstop, allegedly. And Kyle Beach, you talked about his Civic hatchback. But the thing is, the step up was you got yourself the Integra. And yo, Palace Integra. Yo, Palace, yo, Lev, hit us up, man. And send us each a whip. I want that joint with a six-speed manual. We would definitely be stoked on that. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Uh, Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Stoked on venture trucks. Stoked on... This morning, uh, for the first time ever, I won a solo game of Warzone, of Call of Duty Warzone. So I'm super fucking stoked on that. As the video game liaison for this podcast, also stoked on the new uh, Daniel LeBron part. It's called Titus. I guess that's his new board sponsor. I think Titus was a distributor in Europe for like the longest time. Maybe they have a board company now. I don't know. But 
yeah I think yeah that's that right. yeah that guy rules he's my role model for you know middle aged like low impact tech skating We've talked about him like a million times also stoked on the new part from the Brazilian Lucas Marquez that you might remember from slides e grinds been a ruler for the longest he's got a new part up on free so check that out Patrick what are you stoked on this week I'm stoked on quite a bit actually I'm stoked on Spitfire wheels also out of San Francisco California my boy Kevin uh, who's an amazing bass player he played bass in green jello for a bit he was out in LA last year working on a documentary about haunted garage and the whole LA horror slash porn punk scene it's called uh, he's working on a documentary called the life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter he's fundraising for it right now definitely worthwhile if we're talking about 80s LA nostalgia I'm definitely stoked on the parts from the their video that will be trickling out soon um, there's one right up right now on Thrasher. Um, it's Keen Capels. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but really, really fun. The premiere was great. And then also it's Ramadan right now. So for those who are celebrating, especially everybody who's fasting, especially uh, Kareem Benzema, uh, Ramadan Kareem, uh, we'll be taking off next week, which is going to be not only Easter, but also Passover. So enjoy those holidays for those who celebrate. Templeton, what you stoked on? I'm stoked on a new t-shirt. It's from Beyond Skate Shop in Perth, Australia. It's a collaboration with Antihero. It's a riff on the classic Eagle logo, but they took the Perth State Bird, the Black Swan, and put that put that guy in place of the Eagle. It looks pretty sick. There have been a few of these kind of collaborations where the Eagle gets replaced with a significant bird from whatever location. So if if you know of other Antihero collabs like this, I would love to see them like slide into the DMs or whatever. So um, Shout out to uh, Rain Leeson. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. He's the, he's the one who sent me the shirt. Extremely stoked to wear it. Um, Shout out Rain. Rain is uh, really awesome and always posts about the show on Mondays in Australia. The show usually drops on Sundays um, here in the U.S. So. Oh, that's the guy from Perth. Like, what's that? Instagram? Yeah, Perth Skateboarding is his handle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy's right. Yeah, stays posting clips. Shout out to the homie. Yeah, so... That's, uh, that's what I'm stoked on, and that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, which will be two weeks from now, you can keep up with us all week online, all two weeks online. Uh, Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can find me on Instagram um, under the handle at Pikigongo. I'm also working on stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. And actually, I think I can announce this publicly. Um, I will be taking over as interim board chair of the executive board for the organization. So stay tuned. We're trying to A, fundraise and get some money and B, do some cool shit. So stay tuned. Jason, where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Carbonite1994. On Instagram at Frozen Carbonite and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Working on it. Working on some new stuff for uh, the second quarter here. Uh, Templeton, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. And during our hiatus, there's probably going to be a Mike Munzenrider piece up on Quarter Snacks. So keep an eye out for yes, that. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Later. Congrats, Patrick. Yeah, hey. seriously. Congrats.